Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. Absolutely exquisite. And hello out there, everybody. Here we are. This is part 11. And God, the Bible says, is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And of course, that's why Jesus said that even if you are dead, if you are in Jesus Christ through the Father, then you will be made alive. So we'll be talking about that. But before we do, I promised that I would talk about who is Jesus Christ. But even prior to that, I need to talk to you about the Bible and understanding it. And how important it is to understand the Bible. And how that basically the Bible is mostly not understood. And Jesus made it very clear and Paul made it very clear. Jesus said, I speak in parables because there's only a limited number of you that can understand these things. So I speak in parables to the people that do not really understand the deep word. Now I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what the Bible is really teaching that Jesus said. And Paul, he says many, many things along that same line about going on to perfection, about you have groundwork, but then you have to go on from there. And there are discoveries happening out there in the scientific world that are sensational. But they're not as sensational as the Bible. And the Bible is way, way, way ahead of science. But science would not even begin to believe that because they are totally ignorant of what the Bible really says. And so is the pulpit world. Maybe not totally, but a vast degree of ignorance is a propounded situation. Well, you know, in our manifest teachings, we've talked about so many different things. And one of the things that, that I talked about um, had to do with the Sabbath. And I taught that the Sabbath was something totally different than I know of any other church in the world, I, I'm, I'm sure that might, might exist, that teaches it like the revelation that God gave to me about it. Now Paul had an idea that was totally different. He said, you know, going all the way back to Moses, going all the way back in time. He said, the people have not entered into the rest. And that's why God speaks of another day that's yet to come, because they've never entered into the rest, the Sabbath. So he saw the Sabbath as something totally different. And people think, well, yeah, that's just a little different shade there. Oh, it's a lot more than just a shade. You see, if you really, really take the time to look up the word Sabbath and rest, like when it says God rested, you know, in Genesis, you really look up the word in uh, 
the Strong's Hebrew Concordance, 7673. Strong's Hebrew Dictionary Concordance, 7673. About the rest, about the Sabbath. What do you really suppose that it says? Well, as far as the word rest, you only find a small little example of that way, way, way down in all the examples that it gives of the meaning. It's sort of one of the last interpretations. Well, what are some of the things that, that the Sabbath means? Well, to repose, to desist, to cause to cease, to cause to fail, to put away, to put down, to, to get rid of. To be still and know I am God, another way of saying it because I had the word still, to be still, to take away. And how can that have any reality to all the interpretations of Sabbath? Well, it doesn't because those interpretations are mostly all wrong. They're not correct at all. They're not what the Bible really says. They're not what the Bible really teaches. And they just do not have the understanding. And that misunderstanding starts right out of Genesis 1, first verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And that's incorrect. Someone said, oh my, I guess I'm getting off. Well, goodbye. But if you don't want to be smart enough to stay and listen to what I have to say here, then you'll be recorded on the judgment day of that terrible, erroneous mistake. Because I want to tell you something. I revere the Bible. And I don't play games with the Bible. But the word God is Elohim. And I know there are some scholars with their fancy little verbals and, and pronouns that that tried to master it into becoming God, the one and only God, the Deuteronomy link. But the fact of the matter is, people do not understand the plurality of the Spirit and the singularity of the Spirit. So, we have scriptures that God has given us. <clears throat> and... Um, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6.17, it says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now, if all of the people in the world, if all trillion, uh, say there were a trillion people, a trillion angels, and they were all joined unto the Lord, that wouldn't be a trillion any longer. It would be one. It would be one. So in the Peace Manifest Bible, we use the term of the many one, which is manifold God. So in the beginning, manifold God created the heavens and the earth. Now you have the aspect of both the Elohim and the Eloah. You have both the, 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 the plural and the singular combined in one as Many one. 
And that's the real true interpretation. And why is that important? It's very, very important when you understand the whole revelation of the Bible, when you understand that, that Lucifer was a cherubim, a co-archangel, who was assigned by Yahweh to, to be over the Ophanim angels during creation while 144,000 of the Ophanim angels were with Yahweh spiriting creation. <clears throat> and the office that he took over was called the Morning Star. It was the Morning Star office. That's why in the Bible you have two morning stars. Lucifer is a morning star. Jesus Christ is a morning star. And so I've read where there's people that say, well, Jesus Christ is actually the devil because he's got the same name that the devil does. So therefore, he must be the devil. And, and you know, that's, that's the, the pure uh, hind in of stupidity. But when you understand that that title will not be taken away from Lucifer until the white throne judgment. That's the way it works in the laws of God. So when you understand that Lucifer was involved, he was involved in the creation. That's why the Bible could say he turned the whole earth into a wilderness. Well, wilderness isn't what people think it is. It's a whole lot different. And in, in the series of the Holy Ghost teachings, We'll be telling you what that really was and telling you about the ancient cities that Lucifer built and the fact that Lucifer was involved in making the dinosaurs. And it's important to know that. Why do you think that Lucifer would have the gall then to take Jesus up to the high peak and to high ascended place and say, here's all the kingdoms of the world. And he was able to show him all the kingdoms in, a se in less than a second, in an instant. And he says, I'll give these to you. Well, the Bible tells us, I don't have the time to read all the scriptures today, but there's a lot of them, that this world belongs to Satan. He, he claims it because he was involved in the creation. So when you go down Genesis chapter 1, 1, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and so forth, and people read about the days of creation and say, well, it says that God did it. Well, you just need to go back and check out what the word God is. It's Elohim. It's not God. It's God's, plural. And, there, that, and get this. Those were angels called gods. A lot of Bible for that. And guess who was an angel who had the same name of God? Lucifer. So when it says God did this and God did that, we, we show that on the fifth day of creation, Lucifer began to take over in the creation. He intercepted the creation signals and began to put his own in. Now, there's Bible for all of this. It's just like, you know, when I... I did this uh, teaching here uh, 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 just a, sh a couple of weeks ago, uh, Holy Ghost Part 9, and I taught about that, uh, the subtitle subject, uh, uh, Savio, uh, Savio, the Cosmocrator. All of those names, I showed people how that the word Savvy actually comes from the, the serpent who 
tempted Eve. I didn't show the O, but, you know, that's in the Bible too. That's a code. So in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 10, 13, it says in the scripture, O wheel, which means O ophanims. O ophanim. And that saying was said by the uh, cherub, because in the first and second chapter, or first and tenth chapter, especially tenth chapter, it makes it very clear that the cherubim are accompanying the wheels, who are the ophanim. So they are the they are the guardians. That's, that explains that in the eighteenth chapter of of Matthew, and they're the guardians. And then you have the judges, who the Bible describes as the watchers which is another way watchers are those that keep the law, that watch to make sure everything is going right. They are the judges. Those are the seraphims. It's all Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It's not made up. So, it's, you know, so it's so important. In Ezekiel 10, 14, it talks about the four faces. And this is talking about, you know, the people of the earth, the creations. And we've, we've shown you from Genesis to about the four rivers, the four rivers of creation. And we explained all these different things. And we've shown you that, that it was within those four rivers is how the Bible describes in the, in the 13th chapter of Matthew how that the devils, how that Satan and his angels planet the tares in the human race. So when Ezekiel, by the Holy Spirit, begins to describe this whole thing about the four rivers, he puts it into the vernacular of four faces. And face one was cherub. Well, that's the abbreviation of cherubim. C-H-E-R-U-B. Cherubim. C-H-E-R-U-B-I-M. Cherubim, cherub. So why does he say that the human had the face of a cherub? Because <laughs> that's talking about the cherubim whose name is Lucifer and his angels who planet the tares in the human being. And these primitives before Adam, which lived for hundreds and thousands of years, and, and the giants and all of these incredible uh, races of Lucifer, Satan, they're this first face. And you begin to see how incredible it is. Then you got two the second face is the face of a man. Well, that's the face of Adam. And, and people have never understood the Bible. They say it's like there's two different, two different attempts to write the Genesis. And, and they, they give it different names. They, they call this the E and they call it, you know, give them separate names of how they think scholarly it was done. But the fact of it is it's talking about two different creations. The creation of the primitive man and the creation of the first man with a soul and that's why you've got the first face 
being the cherub, the second face being the man, and the third face being the, the lion, which is in the, in the fifth chapter of Genesis, the offspring uh, of, of, of Adam, uh, is where there comes the, the tribes and where there comes the, 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 the Israel uh, 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 thing of the Bible that calls it the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there's your, the, your third is your, your lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, I'm interpreting today in the hundredfold revelation of this scripture. There's thirtyfold and sixtyfold other meanings. And number four, the face is of an eagle. And that's beautiful because it connects to the divine man. The, they that wait upon the Lord, they that kowa upon the Lord, shall mount up with wings as eagles. And it's, <clears throat> it's relational to the whole thing of the, the Father's house and the divine man. And there are the four faces. And what is the other relationship to that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says we see through a glass darkly. That glass is equal to face. We see through faces darkly. But then, when that part which is done away with, it says we will see face to face. So it's telling us that these other faces are going to be done away with. The first face of the cherubim. The, the terror uh, thing, T-A-R-E, the tares that were sown by the devils. That's in the genetics of the human race. The, 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 the man that is the, the, the natural Israel. The lion subject, subject. And then the fourth one is the finalist, the eagle. They that wait upon the Lord. And, and this is the Father's house revelation. And so this is awesome, absolutely beautiful, incredible stuff. It's, it's incredible stuff. And God is wanting to bring his people into these revelations and to see how important it is. Because how, how, how are you going to believe <clears throat> all the things that I want to teach you about Jesus Christ? If you can't even see all these other major things that are totally different, and how are we going to know this? Well, Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, The spirit of man is the candle or lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, which is that means because right behind the belly is, is the nerve complex called the solar plexus, and that's where the spirit abides. And so in Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, it says, What man knows the things of the Spirit, save the spirit of man that is in him. You have a spirit of man that is in you. And, and this actually gets into what I was going to talk about in consciousness. One of the aspects of consciousness, you know, is aware consciousness and subconsciousness that you're unaware of. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen all the time in your body with heart rhythms and organ rhythms and things that happen. You're unaware of those. It drives you crazy if you were sensational of all of them at all times. 
And that's a subconsciousness. There are other aspects to subconsciousness. There's spirit consciousness. And they just recently, on the big uh, collider, have discovered a particle that has five different states. And that's amazing because that's just absolutely along the line we're teaching. Well, what are these states? Well, these are different states of energy. There's ground states, and there's high energy, there's low energy, medium energy. There's other aspects of this whole thing of the five particles that they've just recently discovered. And these, all these different states, and sometimes just one particle will have several, several energy states. And the opening up of the truth and the power of the truth is coming up the road, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to get this understanding of this importance of spirit. Because the Bible says that in Ecclesiastes 12, that when a man dies, the spirit returns to God who gave it. And in Luke 24, 39, it says a spirit does not have flesh and bones. So when the Bible says that in the first domain, the heaven of heaven, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, and then in, that in Jesus Christ there's neither male and female, that's because the spirit does not have flesh and bones. And we have to understand what the spirit is. And we have to understand what that means to be in the spirit kingdom and the differentiation. And if we don't get that, how are we going to understand Jesus Christ? Who the Bible says was a light that shone in darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. And don't you think that that's still going on today? Absolutely. And the pulpit world that thinks that they are comprehending it, they're absolutely not comprehending that light. They're understanding some aspects, thank God for that. And God's merciful and God's full of grace. But the Bible says the Father seeks, the Father seeks, this is in John 4, 24, to find people that will worship in the spirit of truth, in spirit and in truth. The Father seeks that. Why does he seek that? Because the next verse says, because God the I am, the invisible God, I'm breaking it down, who never leaves the first domain except by his Holy Ghost, is a spirit. And they that worship a spirit must worship a spirit in the aspect of it being a spirit and in truth. And so Jesus says, you can't come to, the, to my Father except through me. So we begin to see something about Jesus, and we're going to talk a lot about it in just a minute. But these things are so absolutely important, and they're taught by these teachings. Now, this simple thing about how that the Bible translated the word messenger and, and message. You know, a messenger... If you even go to a dictionary, like, like Webster's Dictionary or, or New Word Thesaurus, it means minister, angel, prophet, dispatcher. And message means information, word, 
Like in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Communication. And an angel is a heavenly messenger, a ministering spirit. So when they're talking about Jesus, who, who in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, that's Jesus is talking about there. And then in another place where it's talking about Thessalonians about him having the voice of an archangel, and we begin to reveal the thing about the, the angel connection to, to, to Jesus. And then there's people who say, oh, my God, oh, I can't believe that. I don't believe he's an angel. Oh, what did you think he was? Because angel means messenger. So you think he's not a messenger? What exactly is your problem? Your problem is that you've got to get out of the mud hole. You've got to get out of the sinking sands. You've got to get out of the left behind, the going no place idea, and get on the trackway to the deep things of God that can only be known by the Spirit of God. And you're being invited with this incredible opportunity of what is the Holy Ghost and what is Jesus Christ to take you there. Now, here are some scriptures. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed these things unto babes. Hello, hello, babies. Hi, kids. Guess what? There's some wise and prudent people out there, but that's no guarantee that they get the opportunity to know the hidden things of God. In fact, it's in the Spirit of God. It's in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's in the rejoicing in the Spirit of Jesus Christ and the Father that these things be revealed in the people that are just babes. A babe hasn't been to school. A babe hasn't been to college. A babe hasn't even learned all the things from the parent. A babe is sucking on the milk. So there's something dramatic that can happen to a babe. Spiritually, genetically, input can be put into a child. Some parent is sitting there with the Bible or reading some of the manifest teachings as the babe is there sucking on the, on the bottle. Those kind of things can go into a, a babe. And of course, the Bible still calls adults kids. So a, a babe might be able to be an older kid. <laughs> but it can also be a younger kid. And that is found in Luke 10, 21. KJV. Now, let me read just that part again. I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid, H-I-D, hid these things from the wise and prudent. They've been hid. Jesus never spoke to the public. 
There were scribes. There were Pharisees. There were scholars out there. He just told them about parables. And you have revealed these things unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. It pleased God. It pleased God. Like the song says, it pleased God to call me by his, his name. Luke 10, 21, KJV. For the Lord himself, now hang and hold, come on. Get on this track wheel. Get on this merry-go-around. The Lord himself. Now repeat that three times with me. I don't care where you are. Say it to yourself silently if you've got people around you don't want to hear. Well, don't want to hear you. For the Lord himself. For the Lord himself. Now, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Huh. You mean the Lord shouts? He's going to shout? Yeah. And then we have that mysterious and and the manifest teachings of all the things that that can mean. It can mean, you know, things revealed that have only been revealed in part. Like for now, you, you know in part, you're looking through the glass darkly, you're looking through the face, the faces that have our faces of darkness, which is part of your genetic body. You've got that darkness in your genetic body, that darkness surrounding your spirit. But one day, there's another face. You'll be able to see face to face with the real God, the true spirit of Jesus Christ, the true spirit of the Lord, the true spirit represented by the Holy Ghost of the God of gods, the great invisible God, the I Am. Wow. For the Lord himself, it's himself, now let's get it straight, that shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. First Thessalonians 4.16 You have a problem calling Jesus Christ an archangel, calling Jesus Christ an angel. It is only because you have dabbled in shallowness for so long that you are terrified of the deep waters of the Holy Ghost, ignorantly so. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. First Thessalonians 4.16 The Lord in a form of an angel called Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn. So when the angel appeared unto Abraham out of, he out of, out of heaven 
the second time and spoke to Abraham, it says, by myself, which is the same thing that it is saying in the Thessalonian scripture, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise. He's speaking this way back to Abraham out of heaven the second time because it's been going on. It's been happening. The track and the wheel are connected. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Which is a very important determination and distinction of that meaning, the Lord, the Father, and Jesus Christ. Some say Yahweh, we say Yahweh-El. Genesis 22, 15, 16. The Lord himself, by myself. The Lord in the form of an angel. An angel, an angel, an angel, an angel. What is an angel? A messenger. A messenger. A minister. A prophet. Jesus, in the book of Revelations, he, he, he spoke in the spirit of prophecy. The whole book of Revelation is a, is a prophecy by Jesus Christ. He was a prophet. He's also an apostle. We read you that scripture the other day where it says that Jesus Christ is an apostle. He's a minister. He's an angel. He's a dispatcher. Wow. And when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, Mark 6, Nine, KJV, he appeared in another form unto two of them. Mark 16, 12, KJV. You got to get on the wheel. You got to get on the track to understand that those entities that have the power of transformation and transfiguration, they can change forms. They can appear to be one kind of way or another kind of way. And if you get all wrapped up in one kind of way and one particular location of that one kind of way, if you totally serve him only the Jesus that's on the cross or only the Jesus that's in the tomb, you'll be missing out on the, on the vocabulary the vocabulary of the Lord. So, let's go on here. When Jesus was ridden, rid, uh, risen early the first day of the week, he appeared in another form unto two of them. Mark 16, 12. Because he, he appeared to Mary. She didn't, she didn't catch it. And that's Mark 16, 9 and Mark... Uh, six, uh, Mark 16.9 to Mark 16.12. The Greek word for messenger is angel. An angel, as I said, can be a minister, an angel, a prophet, a dispatcher. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel form to testify 
to the churches. Now, what is he going to testify? I've sent my angel. Now, we know that there's an angel of his presence. And I don't think people really understand what that angel is. That angel of his presence is his, his spirit. It's not some protector angel. I've sent my angel. And then he, he defines it. I am the bright and morning star. Revelations twenty two sixteen, I am the bright and morning star. And the Lord asked Job, where were you? Job 38, 4 and 7. When the morning stars sang together for joy and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You get it? Jesus is a morning star angel. Jesus is also the Lord of hosts. Strong's Concordance, H6635, 1 Samuel 1, 3, Lord of hosts, wheel groups, Psalms 24, 10, the Lord of hosts is the King of glory, Psalms 84, 3, King and God, Lord of hosts, and get this one, Psalms 148, 2. The angels praise him, all his hosts. The angels praise him. He is the Lord of hosts. So when we say archangel, that's what the Lord of the hosts, of what the Bible reveals in Revelation, the trillion Ophanim. He was the Lord of the host of the Ophanim. And Gabriel is the Lord of the host of the of the of the cherubim and and Michael is the Lord of the host of the seraphim three groups of angels that came to the earth area to the galaxy to create but one third of those three groups a third the seraphim a third the cherubim a third the ophanim one third was drawn by the tail of the dragon who is Satan, who is Lucifer, Satan, and cast down to the earth. And here we all are in human bodies because in Jude says, we left our first estate, which was the Father's house. And we moved to the Drago because Lucifer, Satan, said, there's better view there. Now, just a little bit here. We'll see where we go. Okay. So, as for the wheels, Ophanim, uh, Strong's uh, um, Ophanim H212, 212. It was cried to the cherubims in my hearing. <coughs> o wheel. And you look up O wheel, you look up the word wheel, what do you get? H212 in Strong's Concordance, meaning of, Ophans and Ophanims. And Genesis 2, 19 through 13, every Ophan is a wheel and had four faces, which is equal to the four rivers. First face as a cherub, cherubim. Second face a man. Third face a lion. Fourth face of an eagle. 
Genesis 10, 14, KJV. Okay, here's some fast points of consideration before we take a break. Jesus Christ, thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Oh, wait a minute. Jesus, I must be getting something wrong. Why would you need to pray to the Father and ask for 12 legions of angels at any time? If you're the same God is talking about in Genesis and God created the heaven and the earth, and you can create the heaven and earth, then there's not anything that you can't do. You don't have to have 12 legions of angels to help you unless something is different than how we think it is. Unless something is different than how we think it is. Let's go on here. Matthew, that was in Matthew 26, 53. My Father is greater than I. John 14, 28. The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do, these also doeth the Son likewise. John 5, 19. Are you getting that? He doesn't do anything of Himself. Don't get mixed up on what Jesus Christ is. You take away the Father out of Jesus Christ and you end religion as far as Christianity goes. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all the things He does. All the things that He says, all the things that He does is shown to Him by the Father. John 5.20 MIV. You can also compare it to KJV. As the, father, as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, so also the Son raises up and quickens the dead. This means that, and, and we've showed and te- taught this before, He's taught how to raise the dead, how to do the resurrection by the Father. The words I speak to you, I speak not of, oh, and that was in, by the way, John 5, 26. The words I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the, the Father that dwells in me gave me the words. John 14, 10. Wow. After this manner, pray to your Father, which art in heaven. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That's how you're supposed to pray. It's to the Father. Now, let's go on. We're talking about Jesus. I am the truth and the life. No person comes to the Father but by me. Ah. Ah. You don't get to the Father without Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, he came, and instead of taking on the body of an angel, he took on the seed of Abraham and made it very, very complex and complicated, but it was necessary so he could take on all the sins of of the mortals. And through him... We have to understand that no person can come to the Father. You have, you have to come to the Father through Jesus Christ. John fourteen six. 
The Father dwells in me, and I dwell in him, and you dwell in me, and I dwell in you. Let me read that. The Father dwells in me, I dwell in him, and you dwell in me, and I dwell in you. John fourteen ten through 11 and verse 20. John fourteen ten and 11 and verse 20. And Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who is Jesus? He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You can't get to the Father without going through Jesus Christ. And you can read that in John 1, 29. And he baptizes with the Holy Ghost, John 1, 33. And he says, I am the resurrection. Though you were dead, yet you shall live. John 11, 25, KJV. And oh, there's so much more. Janet Lee at the organ.
Thank you again. That was exquisite. I just love the flowing of the spirit that I feel. Thank you, Janet Lee. Okay, so <clears throat> I've got a really roll here. But Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed and he says, Oh, Father, if it be possible, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, nevertheless, thy will be done. And then Paul talks about Jesus. And he says, he was called in the Melchizedek order. And it was only through many prayers and prayings and tears and much grief before God who was able to save him that gave him the power to overcome. You see, this makes me love Jesus all the more because he chose to take on a human body. So we open them that fell into these bodies and understand how difficult it is to have constant interceptions <clears throat> from the mortality, from the carnality, from the manwa of these bodies and how important it is to know that Jesus went through all of that and he overcame it to prove that it was possible to overcome this mortal body, the manwa of this body. And that makes me just love him all the more. That's why Jesus is so distinct and so different from any other kind of religion. That's why his grace and his his mercy and his plan to, to bring all of us into him and through his victory bring us through death, bring us through loss, bring us through sickness, bring us through corruption, bring us into salvation by transassimilating through him. And there's nothing else like it in any other religion. The power of forgiveness, the power of love, that's who Jesus is. But we have to understand that there is a duality. He called himself the Son of Man, and he also called himself the Son of God. So you have to understand both of those titles. If you don't understand and if you don't give credit to both of those titles, then you do not know who Jesus is. And coming into that, here's a scripture I want to read. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Do you? Do you speak the wisdom of God in a mystery? Even the hidden wisdom, 
which God ordained before the world unto our glory. If you wonder why you haven't got any glory, or you have very little glory, well, it must be because you haven't found out how to speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. This, this before this world was made, ladies and gentlemen, this revelation, this manifest fulfillment, this story that we're preaching was preordained before the world to be a mystery and to be hidden and only revealed to the babes. And the reason for the babes being so important is the whole philosophy of Jesus Christ who said, you must be born again from above. And what does that make you when you are just getting born? A babe. A babe. But it also brings you into the clink, the chain, the chain of being joined unto the Spirit of God and being one with Jesus Christ. Which none of the princes of this world knew. The princes didn't know this revelation. They didn't know that they were losing out on their glory. They didn't know that this was ordained before the world. That there was wisdom and mystery and it was hidden. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That determination of Jesus being crucified when he said, Oh Lord, if it's possible, if it's possible for this cup to pass for me, but thy will be done. Why could it not be done? Because the princes of this world did not know the mystery and the wisdom of the hidden wisdom of the things of God that was ordained for us before this world was even created. They didn't know the story. They didn't know the story of the fallen angels. They didn't know the story of the Ophidims. They didn't know the story of the three the, 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 the three thirds, which you see all through the book of Revelations, a third happened to this, a third happened to that. It's all connected significantly, metaphorically, symbolically to this whole thing of the three groups of angels and the one third that fell, which are often called wheels in the Old Testament. But when you look up the word, and, and you look it up in, the, in Hebrew Strong Concordance Dictionary, 2.12, there it is. Open him. Jesus' prayer was not stupid. It could have been answered. But Paul had it right. They've never come into the rest. They haven't come into the rest of the Lord. He had it right, going way back to the times of Moses. They didn't understand that the true Sabbath happened on the seventh day of creation, when Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus Christ initiated the spirit soul of the man, of the child that had been thrown away by these primitive mountain valley people, 
who had all kinds of genetics in them, even including tears, tear information. But he took that body and he breathed into him the spiritual part that Lucifer, Satan, didn't particularly want to be into that into these humans. He was creating his own kind of humans in a gradual process. But this real creation happened on the seventh. So Jesus was the Sabbath. He is the rest. And he said, come unto me, all you that are tired and weary laden. Come unto me and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will take your burdens upon myself. Oh, praise the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Blessed be Jesus. And because of that, the will of the Father was set him for him to go on through with the cross. But here's the important thing. But, get into this, come on, but, it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither ha have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Christianity's been going on for a while, you know, when this was written. But the eye had not seen it, the ear had not heard it, the brain had not thought it, and it began to perceive it, the things that God had prepared for those that will love God. For God hath, but God hath revealed them unto us, how? By book reading, by learning, by going to college, by becoming a scientist? No. By his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. We get into these vocabularies of science and physics. They have limitations. Their subject matter is corralled and fenced into certain perimeters. But the spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man? Now, now here's the one I want you to get on, hang on and hold on to. Because somebody will say, well, yeah, well, you know, that's all great, but they just don't understand. I just never was gifted. I just never was talented. That's because you, you're conscious, you have a conscious aspect of yourself that, that is not being used and, and it's part of your consciousness, your spirit consciousness. Because listen to this. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Man has a spirit. The angel of your present spirit. And it knows the things of man. But it's in a, it's in a, a sustained state of not being revealed but being hidden sort of a subconscious state. And this is the thing about understanding the reality of consciousness. There's aware consciousness. There's unaware consciousness. Some of that 
includes subconsciousness, and then there's spirit consciousness. And this recent discovery with the the LS uh, the, the the LSC, the large uh, collider in uh, Switzerland, they've just discovered a particle that has five states to it. We begin to understand that even one particle could have several several different energy states, and all those different energy states can have different kinds of application. <clears throat> now, in my next teaching, which is the twelfth teaching of the Holy Ghost, what is the Holy Ghost? I'm going to get into this thing of these five states of the particle and how that, that affects the DNA and why that it is so difficult to determine and to track it down. And number 12 is going to be my last in this series for a break. I'm taking a break because I can't continue to do these teachings and all the time that it takes and get caught up the way I need to get caught up with the books that we need to get out. We've got several books that are just at the verge and I just need to take my time and, and some of our, our workers and helpers and, and put it on getting these books finished and getting them out. And so I'm going to be taking a break. So next teaching will be the last of this series for now. We hope to eventually go on to about 30 in this total series, but there's going to be a break of time. I don't know how long that will be. But this word is so deep and so profound that people need to just keep repeating and hearing these 12 teachings of what is the Holy Ghost and all the revelation. They need to, to play it and listen to it over and over and over and over again. And so it's going to be perfect in every respect. So keep that down. Keep that in mind. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we took you to this Swu revelation, the Sozu, the Swu, found in G4982, Greek Dictionary of Strong's Concordance, 4982. And we showed you that the meaning of that was to preserve, to protect, to save, to have a safe place, a haven, and to heal, which can even include furthering a person's intellectual and knowledge perceptions while they are in the sleep, in the swoo. The information in grandeur coming up on all that kind of stuff. It's up the road, and it's coming, it's coming. Okay, I wanted to get more into consciousness, but we just have to drag that along. So we had an announcement of the 11th broadcast, which we're doing, going to do, we're doing today, and 
how the Holy Ghost warned about a great plague that was plague that was coming, and how that there was a person that, by the Holy Ghost, Moses chose Aaron, his brother, to go and get fire from off the altar and to stand in between the congregation and 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 this plague. And the Bible says that God is looking for people to stand in the gap, and before. They made that move and got Aaron over there, got the, him to take the holy fire from off the altar and stand in between. Sadly, sadly, oh, 14,700 people died before he could make that move. And, and Moses said, run, run, run with this message, run with this word, run with this deliverance example that could set people free and show them the glory that belonged to them before the foundations of this world. Run with it. People are dying. People are sick. People are, are faltering within their states of ignorance. Run with this. Get that Holy Ghost fire off the, offer, off the altar and stand in between before more people miss out, before me, more people pass on into eternity without having fulfilled their time and chance. And have to come back another time. And all of the rigmarole that they got to go through again. Let's get this word out. Let's get, let's get people, raise, raise up people. People need to rise up. They need to, they need to, to understand how important this, these teachings are. And it goes on. It talks about how the law is written about the consecration in separation how that the, the examples that were given, that if you even touched a dead person, like in number 66, KJV, that you would be unclean for seven days. And, and uh, so there's all kinds of un unusual things, and yet there was this mystery scripture. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise. Isaiah 26, 19. And that thing about the unclean dead not touching him, touching them was Numbers six six, and Numbers nineteen six, or pardon me nineteen sixteen. Sorry, Numbers nineteen sixteen and Numbers six six. And the dead men living together with my dead body, Isaiah twenty six nineteen. So, what does it mean? about the dead. Well, we do know that the Bible is very, very clear that the Bible says that God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Because something that is dead no longer has spirit. The spirit leaves a dead body. And God is a spirit. And so until Something happens, like what happened to the, the body of Adam, who was really dead in the primitive aspects of the genetics that he received from his very primitive mother and father, 16th chapter of Ezekiel. And the angels took that babe, and the Holy Ghost breathed into that babe, 
and it became a living soul. Kralyath Nefesh. Well, the Holy Ghost, part 11, subtitle, The God of the Dead and the God of the Living. <clears throat> God says, I am not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. And that makes so much sense. Here we go. <clears throat> If you are striving too far from the holy face, F-A-C-E, face wins. And in that day, you'll no longer be looking through the glass face, but you'll be looking face to face. That's the promise of the scripture. That's the meaning of the Ezekiel whirlwind thing that was given to Ezekiel about the ophanims. You're striving too far from the holy face winds of the deep vibrations of resonance of these Holy Ghost manifest revelations due to your unsureness of scriptural meaning. Then it's time to make a contrivance for altering your course closer to the face winds of the Holy Ghost. For surely, the Bible says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in a part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, KJV. When you follow these deep reveals from too far and too questioning of doubt, you may become buffed by these holy winds due to your position of not riding with the uplift, but becoming buffed instead by its swift rushing <clears throat> Surges, <coughs> so this is so important. <coughs> Excuse me. I get this. You can become buffed by these winds, with their swift rushing surges, that sweep swiftly across the edges and the fringes of your thinking and consequently become fallen into a misperceiving of the glory of the wholeness of these teachings. 1 Corinthians 2.10 and Hebrews 6.1.3 Although this example point I will present is not exactly the same, the Bible teaches that if you participate in the Lord's Supper unworthily, the Lord's Supper commonly called in the church world, and there's nothing wrong with this, communion or, or Eucharist, described in 1 Corinthians 6.17, KJV and MIV, many have fallen sick and even some have died. The idea is dedication and resolve, trust and surrender and belief to God's word, which says if you ask or pray for a fish or a loaf of bread, God will not give you instead a stone or a false food. Then Will not the Father God give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Luke 11, 11 through 13. So when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you can be so questionably about it, 
so doubtful that you actually partake of it unworthy. You become not even worthy for the revelation that has been written for you to, to dig into, to dive into. You have to really pray about that. Because the Bible says people have become sick and even some people have even died by, by, by their carelessness of how they treat the Lord's Supper. On the path of criticism, the scholars use higher criticism. On the path of criticism, the scholars use higher criticism as to the dates of composition, authorship, historical credibility, versus lower criticism to bring faults against the Bible's translation from original languages. I do not say there is nothing of these criticisms that have some perspectives. But the Bible itself says, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit brings life. We've got to get into this understanding, ladies and gentlemen. Just the law itself without the Spirit is death, and the Spirit of God is not in that. But the Spirit brings life. The Spirit is the answer for life. The Spirit is the answer for deliverance. <clears throat> It is the Holy Ghost that sees over the fore and the aft of the ramparts and opens the deep of the deep to be understood. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 and Matthew 24, 15. As to understanding the resurrection, its legends are more of magnitude than the stars. As to what body a person will have was discussed by Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 35, KJV. Paul answers his own question. The body you were, you were sown of life is not the body that you will receive. Oh. You see, <clears throat> people have all got this, this rut, this hole in the ground. They have these ideas that this body they got, even though it dies, that they're going to have exactly the same body. Well, there is a provision called spirit debris. And the spirit debris stays with the person after they die on their spirit for a goodly amount of time, which maintains in that debris the essence of what their body was. So there could be a recognition of, of that among people who are of a same familiarity. But this doesn't stay that way forever, and, and it's in the Scripture, and it's the Word of God. And the Bible clearly teaches it, that you may not get the same body, and you probably won't get the same body. And, he, and Paul says it. The body you were sown of life is not the body you will receive, but a time and a chance involved as to the kind of body you may resurrect in. Everything is based on the will of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 36-38, MIV. Transforming and transfiguration are two of the opportunities a person has to select a style of body if desired. In the ultimate heaven, persons will recognize each other by a person's spirit rather than by the body. Everybody got that? You need, why do you need to get into this body thing? <clears throat> because that's how you're really going to recognize one another when you really get into the inner gift of the Spirit, the discerning of the Spirit, 
you'll know people by their spirit. Your spirit will bear witness with their spirit of who they are, who they were, and their history. Check it out. Mark 9.2 and Romans 12.2. The band of light, law of light shining out of the darkness, is that first radiant magnitude of resurrection, and it's through the body of Jesus Christ. The significant word is transassimilation. T-R-A-N-S dash or hyphen A-S-S-I-M-I-L-A-T-I-O-N Transassimilation. <clears throat> Check out these scriptures. Job 38, 31. Zechariah 11, 7. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. The tip of the scales of life to death seems to be an easy happening. The vanity the human mortal is such that Un's beliefs are self-convinced that the mortal life is the major life of, for all reasons of existing. The Bible calls the body house, the body house life, a living stone kind of life. 1 Peter 2, 4, and 6. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6, KJV. So the body or the Bible calls the body house life a living stone. And that's what the human body is, a living stone. Make no mistakes. The only real answer and truth about life and death is twinned or twined in the revelations of the invisible God I am via the Soundtron Resonance, Psalms 19, 1 through 6, and Romans 10, 18 of the Holy Ghost that abides throughout the whole universe. The beautiful teachings of transassimilation answers the mystery of the insight by Isaiah the great prophet about thy dead men shall rise with my dead body. Isaiah 26:19. First understand there are two major parts of a human which in one part belongs to death and the other part belongs to life. And the Bible says that. 2 Corinthians 2.16 The forever duality of existence holds of the positive and the negative, and eternal heaven and an eternal hell. Let not the readers employ those hell torments of the physical body as a part of hell. The physical body returns to dust and becomes other forms, and its atoms become available for other physical living substance. <coughs> The spirit that is eternal, such as the spirits of the angel, Ophanims, the cherubims, the seraphims, can fall or rise into a good or anti-good level of the mind. So then, the hell part for the spirit are flames of suffering and regret of the mind. That kind of suffering is the hell limit because the flames of physical fire cannot burn a spirit. The three Hebrew children, for instance, in the book of Daniel, and Daniel was their companion. They were cast, uh, bodies and clothes, into the fiery furnace. But what happened? Those were dematerialized, body and clothes, into a phototranslation state, the body into spirit and their clothes into a suspended state, 
Consequently, this photo translation event occurred instantly as they were in the air being cast into the physical flames of the furnace. The fourth person in the furnace that appeared was an angel spirit in the form of the Son of God. Spirit can take on appearances. Spirits can take on appearances and be seen as such, the which many persons on earth have witnessed. When the three Hebrew companions of Daniel came out of the furnace, the photo translation was why their hair was not singed, nor their bodies or clothes burned. Such a story and experiences as these, even in religions, had no explanation to scientific minds and were branded as mythology. In these times, as science is advancing in the many fields of knowledge, these so-called miracles have a gleaming of very super possibility. Daniel 3, 19 through 27. <clears throat> now back to the duality. In two parts. In two parts. The duality of the mortal, which is life and death. The power demonstrated by Jesus Christ to have a power to have a power and authority over the life and death of his body is paramount to the understandings of things he spoke and performed. Those things exceeded the knowledge and capa capabilities of the doctors and the scientists of his time. When in the Jesus body on earth, he did those particular incredible examples. The Bible deeply expounds the duality of opposites. To the one we are the savior of death, unto death, and to the other we are the savior of life, unto life. That's actually Bible. Check it out. Second Corinthians 2.16. KJV. Paul, who was called Saul, the apostle, after meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, became generations advanced in the light room of spiritual knowledge, ahead of the scholars, and religious and non-religious wise men of his day who were very adjusted to the dark adaptation of their times. They become so used to the, the darkness that, um, uh, you know, they just couldn't catch on. Acts 9, 3 through 9. I hope and pray you who read these writings, either as put in books or as broadcast, it will understand the reality of time and its connections to your destiny. It would be sad to procrastinate past your time to the point of message, of this message becoming as a dead letter, which has had lost its destiny force due to missing the time link commissioning of the Holy Spirit. The Bible does admonish, admonish persons to beware to not quench the spirit of the Holy Ghost. First Thessalonians 5.19 the fallen away by uh, decadence, um, by, by, by this important understanding, uh, there is a falling away, uh, and uh, it, it, it becomes a, 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 a falling from excellence and, and from the time and the chance that you have. Check that out in uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 9.11. If you fall into decay and loss, then a, a person decides to refine a spirit, soul, oracle, which is etched with a person's soul print. Such refining and, you know, uh, of an offer of commission of knowledge could become risky 
and dangerous dust, uh, destiny adjustments to make. When you've got a destiny, when you've been endowed with that, when it is your commission, you have to think twice before you decide to adjust and on your own decide you've received something from God different. Just the fact of a person who has been given the opportunity to hear and to know such insights of spiritual knowledge is no mere happening. A multitude of angel faces cry each time a soul erringly and especially purposely turns from destined knowledge so grand. It's like missing out on the coming of the cleansing waves of the Holy Ghost. Further, as to trans-assimilation in the moments of Jesus Christ being in death, his dead body reached the summit of merits. The assignment is proof of salvation to become aligned with the body of Jesus Christ to the point of being joined to him as reconciled to his flesh, blood, and bone. Ephesians 5.30, KJV. Wow! Becoming reconciled to his flesh, blood, and bone. Ephesians 5.30. This glorious aspect that the Bible describes is a wondrous event of guaranteed passage into return from angel election to full stature, 1 Timothy 5.21. For sure, some of these deep revelations are not a part of the tradition of churches steeped in strict ecclesiasticism. I do not, by such mention, put down these groups, but don't ask me to join any of them. Transassimilation is an energy action suited for gradual process, but as most always... There can be reasons for an exceptional when a sudden sweep may need to occur, such as in the case of some believers who were imprisoned and killed for their Christian ministry. Never forget, most spirit action is instant. So the case may amazingly be, you see me, now you don't see me. And that is because the seeing was so brief, it had no accounting in time. Therefore, it is not unreasonable to say you never saw anything, even though you did. And the answer to that is because you never saw the image by your mortal eyes, but rather you saw it by your spirit. So it is both true that you did not see the appearance and that you did see it in the reverse of the above said actions that on one side, side do not see, but on the one side you do not see, but on the other side you see. Paul the Apostle presented the action and said, though I do a thing, it is not I that did it, but sin, carnal flesh, that dwells in me that did it. Romans seven nineteen through 20, and Romans 8, 1 through 2. So there is this reckoning, this reconciliation, in this duality of the one part that cleaves to certain things and another part that cleaves, cleaves to something different. How do the dead become reconciled to be alive? Paul taught that the same way Abraham was credited to be the father of many nations prior to those births having happened. Paul explains, God quickened the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. <laughs> Romans 4.17, I love it, I love it, I love it. How do you get up the road? Well, calling those things that are not as though they are. That's faith. The magnitudes of translation and of spirits and structures. 1 Corinthians 15, 40 through 44. There are many kinds of translations, translations of chemistry, of energy, of atomic lattice, of states, of environments, and of many other kinds. 
there are differences of magnitudes of translation. There are also different kinds of resurrections. There are corrupt resurrections, incorrupt resurrections. This Bible, 1 Corinthians 15 through 42, 42 through 43. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 43. In the Bible language, roots and contextual verifications that lead to the discovery of mysteries. Nevertheless, even with that contextual verification and those leads, uh, to be led to a point of discovery is not the fulfilled reveal of mysteries as to their meanings. You can be led right to looking upon the mystery, but then understanding it, what needs to happen? Well, we'll see. It's like that's where the Holy Ghost comes in and quickens the mind and the spirit. Some, some interesting examples of translation are the translation of, lang of languages and the translation of music from one key of scale to a nation to another key of scale to a nation. Suppose that the body and spirit translation was likened to a language translation or a song of different key translation. Immediately a brand of different thinking emerges. When you translate or transpose a song from one key to another, the melody sounds the same kind of tune, and the words are the same. The orchestra, uh, orchestration is the same, only the pitch is changed. The translation pitch of the key of scale and the pitch is higher or lower. Consequently, levels of scale are equated to a different pitch. So a song that appears in a new key translation seems to be the same, but in fact belongs to a different key other than the former key, which will not work to open it. Over the course of time, it has been noted that the works of certain note script being a masterpiece creation often imbues specific splendor in a specific key over other keys. As to the example of a language translation, the deep of that is a translation that calls being distinct to take in the culture and nature of the setting of the people to whom the language is identified and belongs. So the modulation of one key to another may be to identify the linguistic articulation belonging to one kind of people such as Israel. Consequently, the speaking in another language is without doubt of a greater mode changed than is rarely imagined. In a wholeness of the profound, there are even translations occurring in the universe and major happenings. When the translation is from material body structure, structures, read that, hear that, think that. Get this in your mind. Don't lose it. When the translation is from material body structures to spirit, such a change is a total living state of difference. The material body state's glory is incomparable to the spirit state of glory. The Bible's magnificent translations, such as of Enoch and Elijah, to mention two direct translations, is certainly high on the list of translations to discuss. There are translations that are not direct translations, but are resurrection translations. Make no mistake, the term resurrection has in it the concept to become erect again. Resur 
resurrection, erection, resur erection, resurrection, has in it the concept to become erect again or to stand up as a human with stand up. So imbued in the term resurrection is the physical aspect. Nevertheless, by spiritual vamping of the natural example, the meaning of resurrection can be extended to define as the standing of the sons, meaning their redemption. By this token of different designs and formats, it can be seen that the term resurrection has many applications. The term resurrection can even have to do with the mind and the sense of restoration of memory. The Bible's New Testament resurrection that occurred during the time of Jesus Christ on the cross is manifestly considered to be such a resurrection. Check it out, St. Matthew 2752-53. through 27, a translation can be a translation can be a direct translation from one planet to another planet, such as Enoch and Elijah, or from one state of living to a state of survival, such as it was with Noah and his family. Also, a translation can be from a physical living state to a physical state of suspension called by Jesus and Paul the sleep. Furthermore, a translation can be a, in a state of unconsciousness and waiting. Translation can take a person into another kind of life and action or join a person to their former loved ones who preceded them during the time of spirit debris which regards the memory and, emo and emotions of relational relations. Job writes of people dying and remaining in a state of death until the end of the universe and the beginning of the white throne judgment. Check it out, Job 14:12 KJV. As to resurrections, the Bible lists a number of them. The term resurrection does not apply as said in the Bible to Enoch or Elijah. Theirs was a direct translation. One of the first resurrections was a burial service by persons rushing to bury a person quickly because an invading army force was approaching and they feared for their lives and wanted to honor bury the dead person but have time to escape. In the rush, they dug up a grave where a prophet of God was buried. When the body of the dead person they were attempting to bury touched the body or bones of the deceased prophet who happened to be Elisha, a repulsion shock came from the dead prophet's uh, body uh, remains and quickened the man being attempted for burial back to life. Second Kings 13, 20 through 21. The paths of potential uh, explanations for this are several, however. There's a deep here that calls for a dive into the mysteries of this story in order to know the reality of it. Interestingly, Elijah restored a young boy's life prior to his own death, and no doubt the double portion of Elijah remained on his body, of, Eli of, of, of Elijah remained on his body and on the body of Elijah, or Elisha, because there was no other prophet around seeking to have that double portion. So Elijah passed on his double portion to Elisha, but Elisha is not shown to have ever passed on his double portion. So the next resurrection was the massive death grounds of an army whose bones were scattered and very dried by the sun and wind, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. This resurrection is another masterpiece mystery that needs the white horse to ride away from the ghost riders of the skies and to rather call upon a manifest rider for interpreting oracles in plain, understandable uh, spiritual language. Then comes the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is a beautiful story, 
Truth excelled in all aspects, exceeding all other comparisons. The half, the half of this story and glory has not been told. In this series of what is the Holy Ghost, this beautiful story and other mentioned resurrections in the Bible uh, will be magnified in the light that shines from above. Okay, I'm not finished with um, the teaching of number 11, but we'll, we'll finish it next week. Uh, there's uh, Janet Lee at the organ. There's a uh, little more to go here. Actually, there's only a page and a half, and if Janet will just play softly, I'll just read this while she plays softly. Knowing these kind of truths is strength and wisdom that causes a person to become brightened and to shine. When the Bible says, look up and count the stars and count your blessings, Steady to be ashamed, uh, uh, be approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. These gems and pearls of advice are le leads to the wisdoms which are pillars that no wind or evil force can ever destroy. The more eternal things you add to your knowledge and belief, the more eternal of justification you become. Get a hold of that one. The more eternal things you add to your knowledge and belief, the more eternal of justification you become. A major revelation in the Bible says, It does not appear what we shall be like, but we know we shall be like Him. Jesus Christ in His translation. 1 John 3, 2. Interestingly, interestingly the term appear for appearance is, singular, is a singularity or is singularly used for the present state of mortal only in this scripture. The next part says, But we will be like Him. How important that scripture inasmuch that the first domain in the heaven of heavens, we don't have an appearance. We have a character identification to appearance. We will be able as a spirit to change and transform unlimitedly. So it's not an aligned reality to use an appearance of spirit because to have an appearance relates via in the scripture to an earthly state of materialization. Forget not that the Bible says, that God speaks and the invisible I am is a spirit. And they who will worship I am must worship am in spirit and truth. So super substantially, the half has not been told about the swoon, the sleep translation operations. Oh, the my and the oh, for the heavenly journey of the call for the things that have not been written that should be written. God is not the God of the dead. God is the God of the living. There is a fearfulness of tremble that shakes upon the hearing of such a clause. Such deep thoughts and expressions must be magnified with X-ray vision of the heavenly mind. The Bible clarifies that everything is a state of the mind. That strange as it may seem includes death, which is called death with a period. <clears throat> it's actually a transition. When a person moves from one house to another, that is just a transition. On earth, what is called death is just a transition to another body or state for life to carry on and on. Nevertheless, God knows far in advance those who will resurrect on the positive side and those who will resurrect on the negative side. Therefore, God does not call the dead kind of death that God is not the God of, unless that dead person in death is a doomed spirit. And don't become wrapped up in a nut skin on the subject because the path of mercy is, is explicable, explicable beyond the human understanding. It is the best to accept 
and to put one's trust in God's grace as to those who fall in the category of being dead and God not being their God. Because then comes Jesus Christ, Yahweh, and the Holy Ghost to mediate with God in that far off future time, Daniel 7, 9-14. Consequently, God is not the God of the dead. The job is left for the gods of mythology. But God is an eternal God, and God is the spirit of life. Oh, come, touch me, Gabriel. Fly swiftly. Touch me that I am made strong. Grant that I may manifest de destinata. The many uh, manifest destinati. Grant that, that, that I will be able to teach these people and lead these people to be wise and to shine as the stars forever. And the dark sentences shall fall away into the past, sobbed and broken to bits, never to return again, Selah.